after I take us off mute. Now we're back. <laughs> we're back. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. Back to open session. And Damon, um, item C is your medical director report. Yes. So um, in the interest of time, the one item on the medical director report that I wanted to um, do was to introduce our new medical director for the county health care development program. Um, is um, a longtime friend of mine and a former colleague at, uh, in clinical practice at the East Bay Center, and um, just a really fantastic person with a ton of experience in teaching, in administration, and especially in clinical care and loving and taking care of the population that we all care about. And I'm just really, really excited um, to have her partnership in this work. Um, I think the role that um, she's occupying, I occupied before in the county, and I think it's a really valuable and important um, you know, role, and I'm just thrilled um, to have her you know, with us today and with us in general. So Amy, I don't know if you want to say any words of introduction for yourself uh, to the group, but you guys can tell I couldn't have any higher endorsements for Amy. Sure. Thank you, Damon. It's really an honor to follow you into this work and a delight to be working with you now. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't want to take uh, everyone's precious evening time, but just to say um, I'm looking forward to learning more about, about your work from, from all of you and through Damon and collaborating uh, going forward um, to, to serve our mutual patients and uh, our communities. So thanks so much for having me. Welcome, welcome. Okay, um, item D, Terrence. Um, so for this item, we discussed doing a motion before Terrence gives his presentation. Oh, yeah. That looks like, um, <laughs> which I think some folks remember. But for this one, so the motion here would be to approve the expanded urgent care hours. Urgent care hours, yeah. You won't vote on the motion yet. You'll wait right. until after Terrence speaks, but just to get the motion out on the floor. Okay, which, yeah. So, um, the motion is to to vote on the urgent care hour expansion, and is there something else here? No, just to, to approve the expanded urgent care hours. To approve it, yeah. Okay. And Terrence, it's all yours. Oh, no. Do you want to make a motion? Oh, I'll, I'll make a motion. Okay. Did you need a second? Yes. Before you need a second. Motion. Okay. And then I'll wait for the vote after Terrence. All right, Terrence, would you like me to share your presentation? If you drive, Heather, that would be great. <laughs> I'd be delighted to do so. So, sorry, give me a minute, cough one more time, sorry. <laughs> I cleared my throat, but you guys were gone for a while. I'm ready again. Okay, so the urgent care expansion was a project that Dr. Mack, Kippy, Dr. T. Ghosh, myself, along with, um, um, What's her name? Um, the PSS supervisor, Lisa Pacheco. We started about a few months mm -hmm. back because what we we're looking at doing is trying to expand urgent care hours to improve access. Because we're, we're landlocked with space, but the whole K building um, now is currently um, expanding hours. Pharmacy has extended their hours to support the ED. And, um, Radiology has also expanded their hours as well. So having this service only was great because everything else was already expanding in the building. So in the current model, the last one was about 4.40 in the afternoon, unless it was something easy walking in um, just for like a vaccine or something, we were able to offer that. 
So we sat and looked with the team at what we could do. There was also a provider who was on the schedule who was really interested in being part of this pilot because it offered some work-life balance. So in the current format now, during the test of change that we've done, we've extended the urgent care hours from 8 a.m. to about 7 p.m. And we're looking at now our last urgent care appointment, schedule appointments about 6.40 p.m. Um, what we've also done is we wanted to make sure that if the appointments weren't filled through our call center, our PSS and PSR person would also reach out to the ED and see if there was anyone in the ED that would be an easy patient who can come into the urgent care and be seen. So we offered that service. Unfortunately, we weren't able to capture any samples from that experiment as well. But we're looking at how to offer that service to the ED as part of what we're doing. There are some um, constraints with that, such as the urgent care is not designed to take highly acute patients. So it's hard for them to take patients upstairs and manage them. Um, we look at the staffing model. We have an LVN and an MA. We don't really have an RN. We don't have equipment such as monitoring devices as well upstairs. So in a future state, we'd have to really look at what do we want to take urgent care to and expand it to. Right now, our urgent care program is designed as an extension of primary care. So during that time of April to July, we were able to look at a total of about almost 400 patients. From this, 384 were scheduled, and we had about 329 attended with a, about a 12% no-show rate, which was really good. We also did a small um, patient population survey that looked at patients to see how did they find these appointments. What we found valuable was many patients who would have ordinarily scheduled their appointments earlier in the day had to make life choices to make that happen, found it more feasible to find these appointments later on in the evening. So looking at that, we had like a 96% utilization. Our no-show rate was about 11 to 12%. And patient satisfaction survey showed 90% positive. And many patients were wondering how long we were doing the test of change because they found it really great that we had afternoon and evening appointments because it allowed to come after work, which freed up more of the slots, as we said, earlier in the daytime. So after that, we met with SEIU, we met with workforce planning to discuss this in detail because they wanted to look at some of the data and look at the reason, look at how long we were expanding the hours, um, how many patients we'd be looking at, and how would we staff this. So we satisfied all of those requirements with them. We've even gone to um, the work committee to look at moving forward with this program to get these positions filled using a new set of teams just for an MA and a PSR to support a provider who would be in the ED. One of the things that we're looking at next is moving forward with this, in six months we would like to review this again to see do we need to create additional providers maybe to extend it with maybe two providers or maybe an ADP in the evening as well to see if we can increase the, the volume that we're seeing in the evening shift. We're also looking at considering getting a SAN provider so that when someone's out for vacation or any other life event that may happen, this will support the clinic so that we have continuity we're not closing down the clinic. Next slide, Heather. <coughs> so with that, we are here because we're at the point now where we're moving forward with wanting to expand urgent care hours inside of the K6, K7 clinic, sorry, and then looking at next steps for six months from now, how do we expand it further, and what do those hours look like for um, urgent care expansion as part of phase two of this project. So I'll pause there for any questions that you may have. Terrence, the uh, urgent care 
services only adults right now, correct? Only adults right now. Yeah. Is there any plan to um, incorporate pediatrics into that? I think this is licensing, um, and we have to look at what else we want. As I said earlier, urgent care is just primary care extension, um, right. and that's the misnomer with it. Most In most places, an urgent care would be kind of like an extension of the ED. In this case, it's, it's really not. Um, I've met with Mark and James to look at how do we create a traditional urgent care that would be like an extension of ED? Where would we create that and how would that look? So in the future state, um, I think we are we will be looking at what is urgent care and redefining that term urgent care as a real true urgent care center. Um, Eastmont poses itself with a lot of um, real estate that's available. Not, not sure if that would be the proper location, but we're looking at that because we know that the Highland ED has a very long wait time and the lower acuity patients wait there for 10, 12, 14 hours. So we need to create a, a, a venue so we can get people in quickly and get seen, but also feed patients who may show up at our urgent care to the more critical place such as Highland or San Leandro, Alameda. Hey, I have one question. Um, what is what is a, a, a SAN or SAN provider? Sure, a SANS provider is someone whose services as needed was what the acronym stands for, meaning that if um, someone's going out, let's say, for a vacation or they're going out for a birthday or they need to take time off, we would reach out to a SANS and then the SANS person would come in and cover those shifts for us. Those persons are kind of like what you call another facility, such as like maybe per diem. Thank you. But we, you have to have some form of SANS as part of your workforce to backfill when people are out from work. So SANS are some, a term used across the system in many different positions. Okay, thank you. So we're gonna vote on this today? To extend the hours. Okay, so my question is for um, Damon or Heather, do you see any downside to this from the standpoint of the mission of our yeah, absolutely not. I think there's a little bit of important context, which is that this is kind of a reversal, a very partial reversal of a pretty worrisome trend, which you can see in the program report data, which is that you know overall utilization of urgent care is going down um, in spite of the pilot. So like over the last 12 months, we averaged 1,300 patients in urgent care. Now we're in, in the month of uh, the month of September saw a thousand. Um, we averaged 69 homeless patients, and in the month uh, ending September 30th, saw 49. Um, and it's it's about 5% people experiencing homelessness. Heather, you have your hand up, sorry. Is that... So what I will say about urgent care, which is a challenging um, utilization report, is that the visits in this case I would have to double check to make sure that they, whether they did or did not include the urgent care vaccinator. So um, in the statistics that are used by our system, the urgent care vaccinator were included. In our report, they are not. They should be excluded, but I would want to double check before. I want to go back and look at a little yeah. bit more to make sure that it's reflective of exclusion of the vaccination. Right, regardless of this, what we do know is the number of providers in urgent care has decreased mm -hmm. um, and we're hiring back right now. And so we're, we're not up to the number of FTE of providers that we had in urgent care. 
so regardless of this, we also did used to see a higher proportion of people experiencing an urgent, uh, people experiencing homelessness and urgent care than we do now. I don't know what that's what that change is about. If it's about you know how we're measuring homelessness, but it used to be around ten percent, and now it's five percent. So I don't have any. If this is the right thing to do, by all means, we should approve this. And I think it just underscores the other things Terrence is talking about. I think homeless patients, by and large, are showing up in the ER. And our approach to urgent care needs to really reckon with where the patients are. And so this is an important thing for us to advance administratively, but it's really important for us to be part of that ongoing conversation about what are we doing to provide urgent care across the system for the population we're responsible for. And, and a huge resource that we did lose recently with Doug being out, Doug was our nurse practitioner who really supported wound care, where we saw a lot of patients at AHS, yeah, and especially at Highland who had wounds. So we, we need to, really work on bringing that program back. We just hired someone else who's gonna facilitate and take lead in that role, but that was a huge loss of volume as well for us at, at Highland. It, that was seen especially in the wound clinic, I mean, inside of urgent care. We still have the wound clinic though, correct? We still have the wound clinic at Creed. Oh, but we and, don't and have it at Highland anymore? To, I'm sorry? That we don't have it at Highland anymore? So we do have it still at Highland that's being seen through urgent care. Oh, okay. You, you will note, though, in your program report, um, the utilization of wound is included in the program report for the urgent care section because it's in their part. And you'll see the utilization is very small because the very small. provider is not there. Can you also just um, clarify on which days the extended hours are? Is it weekdays? It's weekdays for now. And all weekdays? Yes, all weekdays. Um, we, we will be looking at this in six months, as I said earlier, because once we can look at, if we can fill all of those slots and we have a need and our volume supports this, what would it look like to probably bring in an APP to also help and work in conjunction to a provider during that, during that time? Um, and that would give us more slots in the evening. So how do you plan on marketing this to our patients so that they know that this is available to them? So we reached really out. Really shouldn't sit 12 oh, hours. I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. No, say the last part again. You cut no, out. They, you know, our patients shouldn't sit 12 hours in the ED. Right. Well, yeah, and no patient should. I know the ED has been continuously working on flow and that's been an initiative um, right. that Dr. Wills has been working on that and from one meet I think they've been trying to address that for 15 years so they've been really looking at flow now for us we've really worked on trying to get the call center to help schedule some of those patients who are coming in the evening and what Kippy has been doing is we've been having sessions like four sessions in the morning time and then four sessions in the evening she's been reaching out continuously to the ED to say hey I have slots they would triage the patients in the lobby to see if any of those patients were simple, right. ESI, emergency severity index, um, fours and fives that are low acuity patients to try to get them up. It's just a hit and miss with who's on which days, what patients are available to get seen in the, inside of urgent care. Okay. Are you planning on doing any visual aids to put up in the different departments so that patients can see that this clinic is available? Because I have a feeling that a good percentage of our patients don't know it's available. Um, so, two things with that. We, 
we just don't want persons to have an appointment and say, hey, I have an appointment. I don't want to wait. I'll run the urgent care and try to become a walk-in because they won't be able to get into the system. Um, we've really been having the call team, the call center, who's really responsive. They're looking at the call, um, urgent care constantly and making appointments when people call in when we can um, get them okay. scheduled into urgent care. That's our biggest um, asset right now is getting them scheduled in. As you saw from the data, the scheduling has been 100% and we've been getting people in that like really, really okay. quickly. And those slots have been really filling up. The walk-in is now the part that we, we haven't been able to really accommodate because we've been filling it so quickly from the call center. Right. Um, so, okay, um, I will call the name for the vote and please state yes or no. Loretta Mallon? Serena Clayton? Mark Smith? Yes. Derek Turner? Yes. The motion passed. Thank you. Thank you, Terrence. We get to phase two of this within the next six months. We'll come back and let you know the progress where we are with this as well. Okay, great. That would be great. Okay, so um, now we want to, um, for this one you had discussed that you wanted to make a motion for item E. Yes, I want to make a motion for item E, and that's to approve the ad hoc committee, which will be representing the co-governance of the Homeless Health Center with the Board of Trustees. Uh, oh, so that was it, you want to nominate. Um, three members of the council. We have not, no. no. You were going to nominate three people to attend yeah. the meeting on the 25th. Oh, on the 25th, that's right. Okay. So I wanted to nominate um, Serena. I'm fine, I know. That's a qualification. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Richard Harvey. I think you and myself. I have to to attend the meeting with the board of trustees. So do we only get three? Uh, yes, because you had four. You'd have a quorum. Not for the board of trustees retreat. Not the retreat. retreat. This oh, is this oh, is oh, that oh, other oh, meeting. Oh, this is the other meeting Sorry, with, with Mr. Jackson. Jackson. Nominate 
I will call your name for the vote and please state yes or no. Lorena Mellon? Yes. Serena Clayton? Yes. Mark Smith? Yes. Derek Turner? Yes. The motion passed. Thank you. Um, and just a reminder, the Board of Trustee retreat for us um, is on the 3rd of November, and it's an all-day thing, 9 to 5. And you're going to let us know where that's going to be. All right, um, our next item, action, I mean, uh, yeah, action item F, is the Health Equity, Diversity, Inclusion, and Belonging. That's what Heidi B stands for. And uh, we need to nominate someone from the CAB here to be a representative on the committee. And um, for this one, we'll have Dr. Swift. Dr. Swift first, just because it's a new topic for the CAB, and then right. the CAB can discuss and make a motion. Good evening. Can you hear me? Hi, Lily. Yes. Hi. Thank you so much for inviting um, my co-chair, Arlene Gomez, and myself to present tonight. Um, Arlene had a conflict, so it's just me. And as you mentioned, this is an invitation um, to um, have one seat in our AHS Hedy B Committee. And I thought I would give you an overview of the committee um, this evening. So first, a brief history. So this Hetty B Committee is actually uh, the fourth version of a system level committee that we have had at least since 2009 to um, provide strategy and um, planning and operation, operationalizing um, various equity related programs and projects. When you look at AHS, we're over, you know, about 150 years old, 157 years old. We have numerous projects and programs, activities um, designed and focused on health equity. These, uh, this HETI committee is actually, uh, the, the point of the HETI committee is to have more intention, planning, and strategy at the system level. First HETI committee in recent history was initiated in 2009, and it was called the ACMC Equity Council. It was co-chaired by our CEO at the time and the president of the Board of Trustees. The major outcome of that committee was that it was um, able to champion the collection of detailed ethnicity data in our electronic health system and the creation of a biling bilingual staff certification program. So if staff members spoke a second language, they could go through a certification program to assess whether their level of proficiency was at a conversational level or higher. And they could even get a stipend if they, they passed and they could get like a little badge indication. The second version was uh, formed just before the pandemic in 2019. Um, and this new committee was called the AHS HEDI Steering Committee, Health, Equity, Diversity, Inclusion. And again, the co-chairs were a member of the board of trustees and our CEO at the time. Uh, there were very, there were a large number of members in this particular group, over 50. The membership was comprised of community members, 
staff members um, from all across AHS. That committee held it together through the beginning of the pandemic and was able to create an inventory of all of the known health equity related programs and projects um, at the time and establish some fundamental objectives and um, priority areas to begin. Unfortunately, uh, you know, then our board uh, completely changed over and we had a new executive team. And so the third version of this committee started in January of 2021. And we at the top, you can see we have these like heady 1.0, 2.0, 3.0. That's sort of our um, way we tell the difference between these various incarnations of this committee. This 3.0 version had a different approach. It was more designed to be more operational and less strategic. So the co-chairs were changed into um, operational leaders, um, Arlene Gomez, at the time was the director for organizational learning and development and myself. This committee then, um, as our executive team and leaders across the organization started being hired, started um, filling up its membership. Um, the focus of this was to one, uh, focus on educating and getting cohesion and um, consensus around the importance of health equity with our new executive team and some of the new leaders. Um, there were certain objectives and there was a focus on HR um, with the priority focus on uh, workforce initiatives, engaging that senior leadership and building a consensus, glossary of terms, frameworks, different population level considerations. The team was also able to influence the design of the strategic plan and um, really champion the idea that health equity should be prominently uh, reflected in the strategic plan. What was missing in this version of uh, HEDI, and really in these first three versions, what was missing in this version and HEDI 1.0 was really a lot of um, staff perspective. So this last version of HEDI, HEDI 3.0, 50% of the committee was the executive team. Another 25% were vice presidents and directors and I'll say, you know, roughly the last 25% were equity champions, uh, clinicians and uh, folks leading programs. But the majority of the membership were the executive team and high level directors with the idea that information and priorities would trickle down. Uh, that served, that was an advantage in creating the strategic plan and building consensus and having a priority in the plan around health equity, but it was observed that perspectives of the staff were really lacking. And this committee um, was thinking about ways that it could have more um, perspective and representation from the staff and in time in the community. In this version, there were no community members as there were in HEDI 2.0. The um, Decision, the committee decided then in June to reorganize itself and to change um, change the membership again. And now we are in HEDI B. And we renamed ourselves the Health Equity, Diversity, Inclusion, and Belonging Committee. Arlene and I have remained the co-chairs, but the membership has changed. There are now, now only five executive members, our CEO, our um, 
chief operating officer, our chief strategy officer, our uh, chief uh, human resources officer, and our executive sponsor, the CAO for Population Health Pantry for Dem. Uh, there is still one board of trustee member present and our foundation. But the majority of the staff now have been recruited. We've tried to invite staff um, who are directly involved in patient care at the supervisor manager level from across AHS. Um, of those who step forward, they're mainly uh, representatives from North County campuses. We are still trying to, um, we didn't have a lot of interest from folks from Newark, um, San Leandro and Hayward uh, campuses, but uh, we'll continue to work on that throughout the year. And we'd like to invite one of you to join us in this new committee. And this committee's uh, role is gonna be slightly different. It is going to be a venue where projects and work around um, health equity are reviewed and feedback is provided to the executive team and medical staff. Um, so that's a brief history of how we got here. Um, now I'll talk a little bit about um, how the flow of information. So this is the way in which we're envisioning the flow of information. This Hedy B, Hedy 4.0 is considered, its scope is going to be an advisory committee to our leadership, our board, our executive strategy and oversight committee and our med exec committee. On the left, you'll see the inputs into the committee. So reviewing projects, projects from the strategic plan will be brought forward to review from an equity lens and it'll be an opportunity for our staff to provide input. Um, there's also, uh, leaders could ask for advice or consultation or input for their particular projects in the areas of patient care or at their organizational level or for community activities. There are other um, new committees um, since HEDI 3.0 that have been created. Our medical staff has a Justice, Equity, Diversity, Inclusion Committee. There is a Graduate Medical Education equity committee, and we know that there are maybe plans for other quality type equity committees. So these would be, um, we've held the spot for bi-directional communication between those committees. Now the committee would uh, review uh, projects, leaders would bring their projects, the committee would provide input and that input uh, would be uh, received by the leader. And if there were specific requests, for our executive team or we would, or medical staff, we would escalate those issues um, to them. And so you see that on the left. That's also, um, we're trying to encourage our executive team to bring their projects to the Health Equity Committee um, to have some assistance with how to have an equity lens for operational projects. One of the one of the activities we've been trying to improve is increased transparency with the agenda and the topics that are discussed at the Health Equity Diversity Inclusion Committee. In the last version, we were recording the meetings. They were posted on the internet along with our slides and agenda. Uh, we, were, we had developed a reporting template where we would report out the activities of the Health Equity Committee on the fourth Wednesday of each month at the leadership chat. Uh, we propose to continue to do that, to share the meeting agendas, the key activities, to track escalations to the leadership um, and other heady related uh, communications.
but in this version, the meeting will only be rec uh, recorded for note taking, but we will not publish the recorded meetings. We received feedback in this last phase that um, there were, it was still, we needed to do some work with creating a space for courageous conversations to take place and people didn't feel that they could do that if they had, you know, if they didn't have some privacy. So we are going to try to find ways to share the discussion items, the key takeaways, the decisions, but not really share the details of the discussion. Next slide, please. So logistically, um, we have, um, and you can see we launched in August, we had our first meeting. We did not have, actually, we, I don't think we launched in August. We had a meeting in September, and now we have our next meeting this Thursday in October. So we will, we had originally scheduled Thursdays, um, uh, one, one Thursday a month from one to two. I'm stumbling a little bit here because we're realizing that this Thursday one to two o'clock slot does not, is not working for many of the committee members. So we're gonna have to think about and pull again um, the timing of the, the meeting. There are 10 meetings planned for the year. We usually go dark in December and August. Next slide, please. Over the first few months, we proposed that we would be building, you know, this new, you know, storming, norming, forming the committee, uh, reviewing the history of HETI at AHS. Uh, we will revise the charter. I have in the packet for you the, the charter that we used in the last phase. One of the immediate projects for the committee will be to revise that charter, to redesign meeting agreements, and then to, um, of course, share the agenda topics and discussions. We have a templated uh, agenda, so we will share observances. Our public affairs and community engagement team come, and they share for the current month and the following month the observances that AHS has from a health equity perspective, we would like to ask our chief strategy officer to start bringing one or two plans from the strategic plan, uh, projects from the strategic plan for review. Um, we are also creating a section for operational issues and then current events as they emerge. So this is the proposed agenda template. We've included just a, a sample here. This is our charter from the latest version of the HETI committee, the previous version. This will need to be revised and will be one of the first projects of the committee in the next couple, uh, next month or so, two months. And so I'm here. We would love to have your uh, participation and your perspective. We know everyone is very busy, but we are really um, excited about this new version. Um, it's not a perfect way of getting input from the staff across AHS, but it is uh, another attempt as we start to see these local equity committees uh, come up. The last thing I'll say is in the last HETI committee, the approach was we sent a lot of homework, we had subcommittees, there were projects, in this version, we are trying to reduce the burden on the members. We want to have the presentations prepared. We are not expecting that there would be a lot of pre-reading or any homework 
or action items taken away, that the time would really be spent for the members to provide their feedback and, um, to the proposals. Uh, because we knew that was a limitation for the previous members. They, were, they had their regular responsibilities. We were asking them to come to the committee and then volunteer for activities and sub subgroups and working groups. And so we are not proposing that at this phase. And with that, I'll stop. Lily, I have a question. Um, I think I was part of that, <laughs> where all those groups are all doing homework and, okay. Was that in 2021? You may have been part of the version uh, 2.0. It was launched, it was very broad, um, and then it got very confusing and hard to track during the pandemic. Yes. Um, there, because that was a very large committee. There were approximately 50, 51 people in the committee. There were five working groups. Three of the groups alone were looking at our staff HR type issues. One was looking at patient care. Another one was at community engagement. Um, what I observed, I was part of that committee in one of the subgroups is that the leaders were having difficulty holding it all together because the pandemic had just started just after they launched this really important initiative. Didn't you have patients also involved in that committee? You know, I'd have to check. Uh, it was a very diverse group, and yeah. um, I think they they did a very good job in trying to get numerous diverse perspectives from yeah. different levels. Lived experience and stuff. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I can remember that. So, is anyone here interested in um, committing to to this project? We meet once a month, right? We meet once a month. Uh, right now, we're on the calendar for the second Tuesday of each month, but I think um, after this week, we are going to have to move that because there are several conflicts. And that's via Zoom, right? It's on Zoom. Minnie, are there other options, you know, before we sort of shake the trees for a co-applicant board member, are there other options for how we would continue to stay in touch with, um, you know, with this really important work? I think it's you know, just one of the centralized places in the organization that can just tell all these stories, right, across this huge organization, like what's happening with equity, you know, what's happening at the front lines, which you're always bringing up. How do we, how do we see the challenges both from the system perspective and the close perspective? I think that's going to be really valuable to us. I think that's something we also struggle with figuring out how to do, you know, make it relevant to the, like what we do every day, taking care of people and also to the sort of structural questions. So. How else can we stay in touch even if someone can't um, spare the time to join? I am uh, making this episode talking, uh, so I'm completely open to your you, suggestions. You don't um, need to also, you can just get back to us on that. One thing that I do do, <laughs> I as the co-chair, I bring an update to the other two um, heady committees. So there's a, there's a diversity, equity, inclusion committee that is held for our uh, positions and training. And so I provide an update to them. I also provide an update to the Medical Staff Justice, Equity, Diversity, Inclusion Committee. And so I could prepare, um, could send you uh, a, a, a small report of you know the items that were discussed. As we got better, we're sort of restarting this whole 
phase, as we got better, we could even send you um, topics that we are thinking about discussing, or we could receive your requests. I think one thing we could do is build a standard report back to you in, in writing, if that would help. I think I'm just glad that you're presenting options just because I know, you know, I just wanted to create sort of options for how the collaborative board could stay, could stay engaged because I know people will want to, even if, even if we're unable to have a member that attends, I know we'll, we'll want to make sure that we don't lose track of what's going on and lose track of attendance. And so I think the main thing is just having, having some options, I think. So I have another question along those lines of options. Would you be open to having a seat for the co-applicant board that is filled by perhaps not just one person? I mean, maybe one person at each meeting, but a rotation of people? The issue is from a legal perspective, if you're speaking, if you're doing as a member of the CAB and speaking on behalf of the CAB, then the CAB would have to vote for you to go to that meeting beforehand. So it would, um, <laughs> I don't know if that's legally permissible, but that would be fine with us. Uh, <laughs> your own proceedings. <laughs> Maybe a hybrid is like nobody wants to commit that to every month, but two people would share it. Yeah, you can put on there too. So if you have four, it makes more sense. So can we nominate two people? Yeah, you can alter the. I mean, you can. Amend the current motion today. It says one. Unlike the CAP member, you can amend that. Could we do? Could we do this? Like people who are interested could express interest to Loretta, and then we can decide if we want to bring a motion back to the next meeting. Yeah, especially if we don't have all the CAP members here. Yeah, yeah. 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 Do we have to nominate somebody now? Would that would that be okay with you, Minnie? Yes, we uh, we want to do whatever's you know works best for you. Um, you won't be missing much. We are just moving through a very slow introductory period. Half the staff could not come last time. We'll be moving our um, meeting, and so that would be fine. So then interested members can just let yeah, Loretta know, and then at the next meeting, we can yeah. do a motion then. And we can reach out to Richard and Tammy and kind of yeah. make sure that they're yeah, yeah. aware. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Minnie. Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate you. Okay, I'm gonna leave you guys now. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> okay. Um. Let's see. Do we have? Yeah. That's it. We're done. Are we done? Are we done? Oh, no public comment. Oh, no public comment. Okay.